millions of Christians face intense persecution and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Vom Oz Radio supports persecuted Christians, giving a voice to the testimony of those who have been denied a voice. Our programs inform and encourage Christians in Australia and around the world to mobilize and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted. Welcome again. My name is Todd Nettleton, and I am in the studio today with Liana Sinquanta. She is the founder of Tell Asia Ministries. She's also the author of a book. It's called Treasures in Dark Places, and the subtitle is One Woman, a Supernatural God, and a Mission to the Toughest Part of India. Liana, thank you for being a part of Voices of Martyrs Radio this week. Thank you, Todd. It's really, really an honor to be here. Your book subtitle mentions the toughest part of India, and I know the place where you work was once called the Graveyard of Missionaries. So Mm -hmm. what is it about this particular part of India that is so hard for the gospel to pierce? Yeah. Well, for many, many years, the missionaries have come there and tried to start getting the gospel to take root, tried to preach the gospel, and people would listen for a while, but it really wouldn't take root. And so they would end up giving up and going home, or then there was martyrs in that place in the ancient times. When the Lord called me there, I was I was, I was like, oh no, you know, <laughs> how am I, what am I to do? You know, how am I to make a difference in this place? Yeah. How did God say, hey, Leanna, you're an American, you've got things going on here, but I want you to stop mm-hmm. that. I want you to move halfway around That's the world right. yeah. to the graveyard of missionaries. <laughs> Talk a little bit about how God moved you from comfortable American mm-hmm. life to India. I started out as an atheist, as a teenager. I thought, I don't see God, I don't hear God, I don't can't smell God, you know, I don't believe in God. But I was radically saved at age 15, and I knew I was going to serve the Lord, but I was very involved in equestrian um, pursuits. I was a horse, becoming a horse trainer. and I mean, your plan was to go to the Olympics. Yeah. Right? I mean, you were very serious in the in the horse world. Yep. I had won uh, a, a couple of uh, regional awards and one national award with, with a handicapped horse wow. that I had trained myself because we didn't have any money. But anyway, my dad had spent five years building me an equestrian training facility as my college graduation gift. Oh, my. And so as I'm finishing college, I thought, okay, I will train horses and I will do campus ministry. I thought, okay, God used me in campus ministry. I was very involved in that. But I knew I needed some Bible training. And so I said, Dad, give me six months. I'm just going to go to a short-term Bible course. Well, I went to YWAM Denver, Youth with a Mission in Denver, Colorado. They're teaching us about the, the persecuted places in the world, the unreached places in the world where they've never heard about Jesus or where Christians are being persecuted. And, and all of a sudden, the power of God just came all over me. And I knew God wanted to say something to me. I didn't know what he wanted to say. I ran out of the room. I got my Bible. And I said, God, what do you want to say? And he said, I'm sending you to the unreached nations. And he said, start in India. He gave me a verse, a verse, Ezekiel chapter 36, start at verse 24 is what the Lord said. I looked it up and it says, I'm calling my people out of a land of idolatry. I'm taking away the stony heart and giving them a heart of flesh. God said, I'm sending you to an idolatrous nation to bring my people out. And I said to God, Anywhere but India. 
<laughs> Why not India? Because all I remember learning about India was there's so many gods and goddesses and devils and so many languages that how can you ever do anything in India? It felt it sounded like complete confusion. And so I was I was turned off by that. But I, I just said, I don't want to go there, you know. And God said, start in India. From the moment that God said, start in India, I didn't want to train horses anymore. I didn't want to do campus ministry. And I want to say to our listeners is that you can never outgive God. If you open up your heart to God and say, God, whatever you're calling me to do, I don't. It, I'm just gonna give it all to you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna listen to your voice and let you show me because God will not cause you to do something that will make you miserable. God is going to give you the grace, the love, the passion for whatever it is He calls you to do. When you went to India, you were not the missionary prototype. You were young. You were single. You were a woman. And you ministered differently from what we might think of as the traditional missionary methodology. Tell us about how you got there and how you settled into the work that God called you to. Let me tell you how he called me to the northern part, because when we say yes to God's calling on our life, whatever he's calling us to do, he might not be calling you to cross an ocean. Well, most of us are going to be called to reach our own people right in our backyard, but we're all called to have two mission fields. We should all be engaged in reaching our local community, however God leads us to do that. Something that we can do ourselves as a witness for Jesus Christ. But we're also all called to help bring hope, healing, the gospel to those very dark places in the world that don't have the gospel or to the Christians out there who are suffering persecution. But the Lord showed me very specifically where he wanted me to go, and he will show, might show you also very specifically, strategically, how and where to go. By the way, I called my dad within three days. I called my dad, and I said, Dad, sell the horse facility. <laughs> I'm not coming back to train horses. <laughs> And what did your dad say? Well, it was hard because he wasn't a believer. But do you know, that was the time when he realized Jesus was real. If I would give up everything for him. And my dad came around to to confess Jesus as Lord of his life before he passed away many years later. And so I said, God, where in India do you want me to go? And he gave me a dream, three nights in a row, the same dream of the demons ruling over the nation from the northern region. Now, most folks, when they go on mission trips to India, they go to the south. Well, there's lots of Christians in the South. There's already a lot of got the gospel work. There's schools for the children. There's the, there's the economy is better in the South. There's less poverty. But that's where they get connected, and so they go. But God sovereignly guided me to the most persecuted, the most needy part of that nation. And then he showed me not to go with a missionary group. But he showed me to go and live with the native people and just be one of them. When I first, when I got on the plane, 1996, my dad was crying. I had written a will for my parents because I was so convinced I was going to die in wow. India. I was completely sold out to Jesus Christ, and it was really God's love. I mean, it's it's all about 
how deeply are you in love with Jesus Christ? And to that extent, whatever he asks you to do is not a sacrifice. It's a privilege. It's joy to join with him in his mission of rescuing people out of dark places. And I want to talk a little bit about the darkness in India because, you know, I have been there a couple of times and even you just kind of sense this heaviness. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about Hinduism because I, my heart somewhat breaks for people who have a million different gods and if something's going wrong in your life, you got to figure out, well, which one of those million <laughs> gods have I offended? And mm-hmm. how am I going to make it right? And and if I make it right with this God, will this God be mad over here? And then mm-hmm. something more bad. I just, it seems like such a hard way to go through your life. Talk about the darkness, but then talk about the freedom that Jesus brings into the middle mm. of all of that heaviness. Right, yes. And Hinduism is a religion in which people are so hungry for God and that, like you say, they've created God for just about everything. But they're soft-hearted people. They're, they're beautiful people. And they're searching for God. They're searching for salvation. The moksha is their word for salvation. And it's, it's liberation from the curse of death. It's wow. liberation. Freedom. Yeah, from sin. They have a very uh, vivid understanding and re- realization that they are sinners. But then their religion, they've tried, they've tried to create these different ways to deal with sin, like going on pilgrimages and worshiping the idols and taking a dip in the river and, and uh, doing good works, as all the religions uh, say. Basically, it all comes down to good works. And it's hopeless. And I have spoken with Hindus that have gone on all the pilgrimages, and they're there in that river, and they're taking that bath with a holy dip. And I'll say to them, you know, now that you've done this, do you know that you have salvation? And they're not able to answer in the affirmative. They have to say, well, I hope. I hope it works out. Maybe. Maybe if the God favors me. Wow. It's hopeless is Mm -hmm. what it is because they can have no certainty. The only certainty we have is in the blood of Jesus Christ and the victorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we bring that to the Hindu, their hearts open up. Now, the way we have to bring it to them, though, is usually by proving to them that Jesus is more powerful than the gods they're currently serving. And so most of the time when we go into the villages to bring the gospel, the way we start is not by preaching, but we ask who is sick in the village? Who is demon-possessed? Yes, we really have demon-possessed people today. And it's real, just like in the book of Acts. And when they said, well, yeah, there's this lady over here that uh, for 10 years she's been either sick and incapacitated or sometimes, well, for five or six years she's suffered with the demonization and she's just throwing herself on the floor and not able to function and terrorizing her family, but they don't have homes for these people over there. And so they're just there in the family and everyone is suffering. Well, she's been to the medical doctor. She's been to the Hindu priest. She's been to the witch doctor. She's got all this medicine. They've spent all their money. And she's even been to the mosque. When the Hindus are desperate, they'll go to the mosque to try to get someone to pray for them. Whatever God. (laughs) Yeah. And we go and we pray for her in the name of Jesus, and she's delivered. And it's beautiful. And the people go, oh, Jesus, 
यीशु मसीह अरे यीशु मसीह हमको चंगा दिया जीसस हीलड अस जीसस डिलीवर्ड अस एंड सो ही इज द मोस्ट पावरफुल गॉड वी विल सर्व जीसस I'm reminded as you share that story of the the woman in the Bible who touched Jesus robe after mm-hmm. 12 years after mm-hmm. trying everything mm. nothing worked. Okay, let me reach out and try Jesus and it worked. That's and right. like you say, we've done all this other stuff. We've prayed to all these other gods, they didn't help us. Jesus helped us. He's the real thing. He's That's the right. one. That's right. It seems like you're going to see more than one people follow Christ. It's not just going to be the person who was healed, it's going to mm-hmm. be the whole village that says mm-hmm. Oh wow. You know, this lady who's been sick, this lady who has been trying to have a baby for years and now has one. Is that the case where We, you see whole villages or the, or whole groups of people coming right. to Christ? In the tribal environment, sometimes that's true. The whole village will turn to Christ. They wa- they all would turn to Christ, but in I in this Ganges area, the toughest part of India, it's tough because the hinduism and also islam is very ingrained and very strong and so when that happens someone a family or several families will come to christ out of that that experience the rest of the village though that did not witness that miracle mm. persecutes that family and and so they are ostracized or they're sometimes they're beaten up or sometimes they lose their job if it's one person in a family they will often be persecuted by their family members and so it's the cultural pressure is what makes it difficult and the persecution is what makes it difficult for the gospel to just go wildfire otherwise it would and culturally what does that mean to be cut off from your family or cut off from your village kind of mm-hmm. give us a picture of what that means in that culture. In a Hindu context, that is probably equal, almost as bad as death. Wow. For a Hindu, becoming I mean, for a person coming out of a Hindu culture because in the Hindu culture family is everything. They are so close. They have a big extended families and their world resolves around their family. And so when they or family rejects them, they have lost everything, literally everything. But, but they persevere through it. and we teach them to remain as close to their family as they can we try to not extract them out of their village we we keep them in their village even though they're going to going some persecution we almost always make are able to keep them in their village in their same workplace in that same environment and pretty soon they usually become accepted and they are able to be a witness to their fellow villagers in that place We've talked about the fact that the church is growing and and God is doing some amazing things. Can you share some of those stories? Some of the things you've seen happen where God just stepped in and did something really amazing. Mhm. Well, the, the most amazing thing is how he led me to the native people as the key coming back to that graveyard of Christianity theme. It was. When I came in there, I thought, "Oh, I'm going to going to be a missionary just like everybody else, learn the language, share the gospel." But because God told me, "Don't join the missionary team. I want you to live with the native people." And I lived we actually went out in the villages with them, drank the dirty water out of the open wells, slept on the mat with the with the bugs, got the diseases that they got, suffered with them eating nothing but lentils and rice day after day in a poverty environment. And in that in, in environment, I realized, wait a minute, the foreign missionary is not the answer here. the true the treasures in the dark place that god wants to raise up are these native people few little 
people who are coming out of that idol worship and coming to Christ, they're the treasures that God can use them in their own language, their own face. They, they're indigenous to that village. They have the story of being rescued, of Jesus having broken in on their lives out of that hopelessness of idol worship. And their story penetrates the heart of the people. So this was the greatest revelation. And again, speaking of the book, there's just amazing stories in the book of these treasures in dark places, these native people. And just giving you the story of one of our key leaders that the Lord led me to him. One of the first people in this northern region to get to go to Bible school. And they had offered him to go on to um, England and become a professor. And he said, no, I must be faithful to my calling. I must go back and serve my own people in my village. And he had gone back to his Hindu family, who was very strong Hindu. They were very upset with his faith. They beat him. They persecuted him. He would go out every day sharing the gospel in the villages and teaching people about Jesus and leading people to Christ and planting the churches on a little bicycle, rickety little bicycle. But he would come back home at night and his family would beat him and they would lock him out of the house. And the only thing they would give him to eat was rice with some water. And they'd sit there and mock him while everyone else would be eating good food. And so he was enduring this. His He had been purposely married to a Hindu girl who was sick with tuberculosis. His father intentionally did this to try to destroy his life. Wow. And so his wife is dying of tuberculosis. He has no money to get her treatment. In this situation, the Lord led me to him, and he showed me that I was to serve the native people to help people like him to have what they needed to reach their own people. And this is when we founded Tell Asia Ministries, was when the Lord showed me this young man, and I started to raise him up, got him out of that abusive environment, got his wife the medical help she needed to get well. Today they have two beautiful children, one of them an abandoned girl that was adopted. But see, the native people are the key, and we have so many heroes like him that are out there doing the work. You're now equipping people like him. Mm-hmm. And, and like you say, they already speak the language. They already have a house in the village because they grew up there. They mm-hmm. already know the culture. They can go and share the gospel. How do you prepare them to face what he faced? How, how do you prepare them to take that persecution or that getting beaten up or that getting locked in jail mm-hmm. and keep going? Yeah. One of our biggest focuses of ministry now through the we've we've worked there now over 20 years. We train the native people as leaders from very beginning, teaching them the word of God, teaching them how to live as a Christian, the character of Christ, all the way into how to plant a church, how to go out and reach people for the gospel. And we've trained thousands and thousands of these young leaders, and we send them back to their home village. We don't try to send them to another place because they must be self-sufficient. We do not support them financially. They must continue working in their field or running their little business or whatever they're doing and plant the church, and that makes it fully sustainable. We've seen tens of thousands of people come to Christ over these years, but more than that, along with that, we're also bringing education to the children, and that's the other treasure in a dark place that you'll read amazing stories about the children in northern India in my book. 
we must help those children. There was one thing the Lord spoke to me one day. He said the most Christ-like act a person can do in this life is to give Jesus and a bright future to a child who has no hope. We have 30 million destitute children just in the northern part of India, and we are one of only three Christian children's homes in the entire place. That's We're talking about 300 million population. Wow. And so we are one of our big focuses now, along with the church planning, is to bring the education and the rescuing children out of slavery, out of trafficking, and to bring them a bright future. As we kind of wind down, I want to ask you some advice questions, Leanna. Some of our listeners are are people who maybe God has been talking to them. Hey, I want I want you to go. I want you to work for me. I want you to minister for me. You obviously went. You went to a hard place as a young person. You dealt with all the sicknesses and all the challenges. How would you advise the listener who God is is kind of tapping them on the shoulder. How would you advise them to sort of take the next steps on that pathway? Mm-hmm. Very good question. Very strategic. I want to encourage you, please, don't think that you have to get on the airplane and go overseas to make a difference. Maybe God will tell you to do that. That's fine if he does. But we have a tradition in our Christian faith um, that says a missionary, if you want to serve God, you have to physically go as a missionary. Today, in almost every nation out there, there are indigenous, native people who are Christians who are suffering for the gospel, and they are there. They already know the language. They already are one with that culture. They don't need a visa and a, and a flight ticket. And if we just come alongside of them, now maybe God will have you get on the airplane, but you go and you find the faithful native people who are already there serving the Lord, suffering pushing the gospel into the darkness, and find how you can help them. It might not always be a financial help. It will probably start out by you just giving them training and encouragement and being a friend to them. But there might it might escalate into where, well, they need funding for Bibles. They need funding for uh, a training program. But I encourage you to find those that are either persecuted or, and suffering for the gospel, or those who are in a very unreached part of the world where the gospel has not many missionaries go there. Not much of the gospel is known in that place. Don't go where everyone else is going. Reach the dark places and help those who are really suffering for their faith. Now, the challenge of that is those are hard places. Those mm-hmm. are places you might not come home from. <laughs> How do you get ready to go into a place like that? And And I think more than just physically, but spiritually? How do you get yourself ready to say, okay, I'm going to this really dark place. A, it's going to be really hard. (laughs) And B, I might not come home. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How do you advise them to prepare spiritually? Mm -hmm. I would say the greatest passage of Scripture that has helped me is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. No longer I that live, says Paul, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the power of him who loved me and gave himself for me. When you let the love of Christ go real deep in your heart and you really apprehend the cross 
and that death with him into life with him, you, you're dead. You're, you're not afraid for your life anymore. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about that because you already died with him and you've been resurrected with him. And so whatever he calls you to do, you do it without fear. Because your, 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 your life is hid. There's another passage. My life is hid with Christ in God. It's just through the Holy Spirit that we allow the Holy Spirit to come in and to fill us with his love. And then we just obey whatever he's calling us to do. God's protection is there whenever he calls us. Okay. I mean, I've been in so many environments in northern India that I totally could have never come home and never or been killed or been abducted or something but god protected me through those and i believe his protection is there for every one of us that says yes to his calling many of our listeners we know hindus we have co-workers who are hindus we have neighbors who are hindus how would you advise us to kind of reach out to them and and start the conversation that hopefully is going to lead to hey I know the most powerful God. Let me introduce you to him. Your testimony is always the best way to start, but there is one way that's better if if it's available. Um, Again, you can never go wrong with your testimony. You're just telling what God did for you. But when you see one of them sick or having any need in their life, offer to pray for them. They will almost never turn down prayer. Even and they know you're a Christian, but they they very rarely. I've never had one turn down prayer because they they respect Jesus. It's just they have to understand He is the way. He is the one way to God. Okay, and so if you pray for them, and the Holy Spirit moves, and they come back and say, "Hey, by the way, you know, you prayed for whatever, and it, God answered, and I'm healed, or or that thing happened, or I got that job you prayed for me to get, or whatever." they will recognize it will if not that they will completely give their life to christ it will be a big seed that pushes them toward that salvation experience liana thank you for being our guest this week thank you for your ministry it is so exciting to hear what god is doing in india and thank you for sharing with us amen thank you christians in hostile nations may live far from us As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio. Voice for the Persecuted.